just me, just me, Elsie. No one to say hello to and welcome to. Still longing for the mighty Jessica Kupferman to come back to join me. And rest assured, all she is on her way. But alas, this episode of She Podcasts is all me. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I, I do have a jam-packed show for you. I wanted to offer as much value for, for you as possible. So I asked in the She Podcast group to share some of your questions. And I will do my best to give you some answers. I'm also feeling the need to be all formal, like, like with a formal intro. <laughs> okay. So here we go. <clears throat> Welcome to She Podcast, the show all about podcasting for women. As podcasters, women often have a unique approach to all aspects of creating and growing a podcast, the tech, the interview, the sharing, all of it. This show is dedicated to addressing all the things that come up for podcasters, news, tech gadgets, relationship management, interview best practices, and everything in between. We're also dedicated to creating a supportive, fun, and nurturing community for our sister podcasters. This show is co-hosted by myself, Elsie Escobar, as well as Jessica, the mighty and delicious Jessica Kufferman. But Jess gave birth to a lovely baby boy in early November. And for those of you that are mamas of newborns or have been mamas of newborns, know how that goes. Okay, so that was for all of you new listeners because... You know, our other lovely ladies that have been hanging out with us for a while are, in fact, used to what's going on with us. So let's get going with this week's contest. Contest. Content. I'm going to break it up into two segments. Some cool tools and tips that have just come into me and then the Q&A. I know a lot of you listening do shows that involve interviews or shows that involve more than one person. A vast majority of those shows are using Skype to connect because most of us are connecting virtually and either Ecamm call recorder if using a Mac or Pamela or ever if using a PC. Well, I'd like to share with you some super cool tools that have just come to my attention that might start to break things up for you a bit. I'm going to start with Ringer and Ringer is an iPhone app. And that is R-I-N-G-R. You can find Ringer over at ringer.us. All of these links that I've been mentioning now are going to be available in the show notes. And the show notes are over at shepodcasts.com slash 34. So here's the scoop on Ringer. You have to download the app and sign up. Once you're signed up, you start uh, a new conversation. When you do that, you have the option of sending an email invite to someone right at the moment, or you can schedule the conversation in advance. So you send the email and the person th that you send the email to gets the time and the code for them to be able to join the conversation in the future. And in this, the recipient also gets an email invite, right? And they are asked to download the app themselves. Obviously, both people do need to have an iPhone if you are using this. And enter the code that comes with the email to join the conversation. 
If the recipient of the email already has the app downloaded, then all that they have to do is tap on the code within the email, and it automatically launches the Ringer app. And you just are in the conversation. Basically, you just go inside of it. I just tested this out、um, on my other podcast, the feed that I produce over for the Libsyn platform with my co-host Rob, and you know he had to fly out of town unexpectedly, and we recorded the show while he was at the airport in between flights, and it was really, really great to be able to get it done, even like while he was going in, in this pace. And it was what was the most intriguing thing is that. Uh, obviously, when you're at the airport, you have so much background noise. And well, I was at home, and I have background noise as well, especially if if you hear it、uh, directly from my earbuds and stuff. And once we got the recording back, it's amazing the quality that we got. So once you finish, so when you are finished with the conversation within the app, each side of the conversation is independently uploaded to Ringer. So the guest does have to wait until their side of the conversation gets uploaded. After both sides are uploaded, then Ringer does some post-production stuff, which is what I was so impressed with that they removed so much of the background noise going on on Rob's side of, of things over at the airport, cleaning up the audio, and then they join both sides and they can email you a link to your finished file. So after that, you get an opportunity to just get it to get it whenever it's ready. In all honesty, I was very surprised by how nice the quality was, since it was recorded using just the earbuds from the iPhone, and that's it on both of our of our、uh, um, sides. They managed to filter out, you know, like I said, the ambient noise, and、um, the only thing that I didn't really like too much is that there there isn't a mute button. And I personally need a mute button. My girls come to see me all the time while recording, and usually, if my co-host is talking, and、uh, I can see that one of my girls is coming in, or something's happening, or something's loud outside, I really just tap the mute button, and nobody is a wiser. Thankfully, neither one of my girls really interrupted us at this time, and I was safe. But usually, that is not the case. You also have to be super careful when you move around because the EarPods microphone seems to pick up a lot of shifting and moving, especially if you have like long hair or wearing jewelry, or you happen to rub it in the zipper of the collar of your jacket, which is what happened with me. And it's really the only reason I had to do some editing to the end of the recording. And what happened is while Rob was talking, he stopped me and he well he stopped the conversation. And he said, "You know what? Your mic is making really crazy sounds. You're not going to be." Able to edit that out, so let's just back up a little bit and re-record that portion. And thankfully, he did because he was right. It was a really nasty sound、um, happening when when my、um, microphone was rubbing up against my coat. It's really a great tool to have in your arsenal. The Ringer peeps say that they they have an Android version that is on its way, so that's like their number one priority. But they are are implementing. Tons of stuff that we suggested already. They're very responsive, so、um, give them a try. The other recording tools that I have are Cast, which can be found at tryca.st, which spells TryCast, and PodClear over at podclear.com. They are essentially the same type of services, which seem to be browser-based. At least Cast is. So Cast, as of now, is still in beta. You put your email in and hope to get an invite. I love what it says on their website: a thing for podcasting for people with a thing for podcasting. Perfectly vague, <laughs> from what I've heard. 
It serves to record both sides of the conversation individually and then provides the merged recording for you, just like Ringer did. It only works with Chrome, which is interesting. I've not received an invite yet, and I'm looking forward to checking this out. And the third tool that I spoke that I mentioned a little bit uh, ago is PodClear. Again, you do have to email opt-in for this. If you go to podclear.com, it has not been released either, but they are really still looking for feedback, which is interesting. So PodClear seems to be a tool that works alongside with Skype. It records each participant's audio uploads each side to the cloud, and once there, PodClear unites both sides of the conversation and then sends a zip file to you with each side of the conversation individually plus the merged conversation. And this is directly from the PodClear site. Record crystal clear podcast interviews. Record your phone calls and Skype conversations with pristine audio quality ready to broadcast in seconds. And from the blog, how did we find ourselves in the wonderful world of podcasting, you ask? Let me tell you, none of us are actually podcasters, but we are avid podcast listeners and find the community to be really interesting and engaging. During a long drive between Los Angeles and San Francisco while listening to the nearly 40 hours, you never know how long this drive could actually take, of podcasts we had downloaded, we noticed many of our favorite podcasts had downright unintelligible podcast interviews done via Skype, phone, and other out-of-studio methods. We thought if we could develop a simple solution and could help a small and large-scale podcasters add a lot of production value to their shows and allow listeners to actually understand the content they work so hard to produce. Now, this is a paid favor, uh, sorry, a paid service. A a basic plan is $8. A premium is $12 and the professional is $20. Each one of them offers different amount of sessions and which translate really to episodes, maybe if you want to see it that way and certain types or from limited to unlimited storage, depending upon what you are um, signing up for, what level. They are super accessible, so if you want to touch base with PodClear, go ahead and tweet them over at PodClearTweets, and then send them, uh, tell them that she podcast sent you. And now moving on to our Q&A section. I'm diving into these answers as they came in. There are some that I did not, that I didn't address simply because I found them to be a little bit too narrow in scope, uh, meaning that the answer wouldn't be, wouldn't benefit a large amount of peeps Uh, or yeah, yeah. Or it would be a little bit too complicated to explain and it won't be so fun. So, (laughs) okay, here we go. So Ashley asks, my podcast is green is the new black best name ever, right? Yes, Miss Ashley, that is the best name ever. Um, I really want to have uh, awesome calls to action at the beginning and end of the show. But other than telling listeners to check out the show notes, I literally have no effing clue what to ask people to do. Subscribe, review, cool, but what's in it for them? Tee, right? Isn't that like, yeah, I hear, I hear you. So, okay. I'll give you the answer to you from two different perspectives. A podcaster as an artist perspective, creating for the love of it perspective, and the more business inclined podcaster. So the podcast artist perspective. So what's in it for them? Dude, you are offering a ton of awesome content. Send them to your show notes unabashedly. I know when I really connect with a podcast and the information that they're sharing, I inevitably end up needing the info that they shared. Or I get really fired up 
by the stuff that they're talking about because they're so excited. And that's when I get all excited. Even if I don't need whatever it is that they're talking about, they're so excited, I kind of want to know. So show notes are like super, super important to share. Maybe not right off the bat, meaning like you don't just open the show and start to tell you unless you feel comfortable to do that. But you always you always share them in some way so that they can come and check your stuff out. At least I need to know where you live when you are not in my ear. So I know, and, and this is coming to you from a avid podcast listener. I remember so much more of the podcast that I listen to. I retain a ton of little bits and pieces of information that I sort of file away. And, you know, I may or may not need that info, but then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I heard so-and-so podcast talk about X, Y, Z. Oh my gosh. What was it? When was it? It was in Christmas time. So, okay, where is their website again? And then I just start to go back in my mind. And if you repeat your website, if you tell people where to get their show notes, or even if you have a presence in social media and it's pretty clear as to where your website is, people are going to go back. And the more you repeat it, the more they'll have it in in their consciousness. So they're not going to have to go look for where you are living online. Other simple things to do is to ask them to follow you on social media, which I just mentioned your, you know, your favorite account, like, like the one that you actually engage in for me, that's Instagram. So, so the the reason that I'm saying that is because as somebody who really wants to build a community around podcasts and around uh, you guys that are listeners, I don't want to give you like, okay, so she podcast, twitter.com slash she podcasts is our, I guess, in quotes, professional Twitter account, right? So that, that, uh, Twitter account simply tweets out when episodes are coming up. We have like, I don't know, between five and 10 tweets per episode that go out periodically and they just keep on going out. So we don't really manage that uh, that uh, Twitter account. It just simply goes out. But I personally do inhabit Instagram a lot. That's where I like to hang out. That's where I like to look at pictures from other people. That's where I interact. That's where I, you know, heart people stuff. That's where I leave comments. And so there's more of a bill. I want to get to know you perhaps there. So I will tell you guys, come follow me on Instagram if you want to get closer to me or if you want to get to know me a little bit better. So that's super important. Now on to the business podcaster. Here are the top CTAs, the top, as you would say, calls to action. So as a business, number one, get them on your list. Number two, rating and reviews. Number three, your services. So for the first one, one of the best practices that you could have is to have a super easy to remember URL that leads peeps to an opt-in and nothing else like nothing else. There's not a hundred thousand things going on here to build your list. That's it. Consistent. It never stops. So once you figure this out, you're not going to shift it around. I can tell you that this works again from personal experience. The one that I still remember, and I, and I have not listened to the podcasts for for at least two years now at least that I, I I can't remember the last episode that I that I listened but I still remember their landing page. Okay. So I binge listened to this podcast one year I I found them like I think about 4 or 5 years ago I found them and I 
binge listen like for an entire weekend. I listened to, I, I kid you not, like around 50 episodes, like over and over and over again. And they said the same URL, freeaudiogift.com. Go to freeaudiogift.com all the time. And I never did because I, I'm not an opter. Uh, I'm, I don't opt into too many things really. And I just thought like, oh, how annoying. But honestly, they finally... They finally got me. Oh my God. Okay. So that, that URL has nothing to do with the podcast, right? It's just, it's just says free audiogift.com, but that totally, you remember that, don't you? Um, every single episode that URL was mentioned in the intro and in the outro and the outro every single time. So this call to action is, is for the podcast called internet business mastery. I don't think they've really ever changed it. In all these years that they've been at it, and I don't doubt that their list has grown a lot because of it. Their opt-in uh, changes, you know, the actual opt-in when you put in your URL, but the URL itself, I'm sorry, your email, but the URL itself stays the same. So that even when you are no longer offering what, you know, they offered before, you don't have to really go and, and clean all that stuff up because you happen to have mentioned a URL or they happen to have mentioned a URL that is no longer valid. So it's really great. Freeaudiogift.com. Super simple. That page, you go to it, it's straight up opt-in. It's just, hello, here's, you put your email and get, you know, right now uh, they're giving out a, a video, I believe. Um, so I've gone to this URL now, occasionally now for the past four or so years since I started to listen just to see like what was going on there. Cause they mentioned it so much until I finally opted in and it looks, you know, nothing like it did when I opted in, like at all, like zero, it's completely different. But of course they keep iterating. They keep on ma- refining their, their, their opt-ins. They, they start to make better choices with their business, but the URL stays the same, which I think is super cool. All right. So now the whole asking for ratings and reviews. Yes, it does help. People tend to follow the crowd. Sadly. <laughs> you know, my heart broke when I read a chapter about just that in the book, in the book uh, Think Like a Freak. Really eye-opening. So if people see a lot of reviews or ratings, they choose uh, the podcast that has a lot of people talking about it. It tends to make people want to do what other people are doing. Whether you really want that to be, you know, the case, you are going to be influenced. It's just, that's just the deal. And, you know, positive ratings and reviews do affect the iTunes algorithm so that you move up in the charts and are more easily found. I am really bad about asking for ratings and reviews. I need to write that specific call to action somewhere in that episode, in the episode show notes. And usually I have to write it out like the script. Um, because if I try to wing it, I end up feeling so fake about it and I end up stumbling all over my words, and especially if it creeps up on me, especially if I'm closing the show and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this, right? So I found that if I cannot do it organically, I script it out so I don't sound like a dork. <laughs> and the only way that your peeps can support you is to be reminded. You don't have to make a big deal about it. It can be a couple of sentences clearly stating what or slash how to leave a rating and a review and you are done. Okay, big. this is a big note though. And I'm going to repeat this throughout this process. Don't think people know how to do it because most people don't. So if you're going to be asking for reviews, make sure that uh, you have some kind of tutorial slash explanation of how to do it. So 
you need to check out this example. WDW Radio does it very well. Please go to wdwradio.com slash iTunes. Links in the show notes. Again, shepodcast.com slash 34. wdwradio.com slash iTunes. Um, so it's, it's very, very good. You can see how they have taught their community how to do that. And what's really cool too, is if you look at, at WD, oh gosh, it's so hard to say this, but whatever, WDW radio. If you go look at where their podcast episodes are, when their show notes are, if you scroll all the way down, they have a really nice little graphic of leave ratings and reviews. And they even in the hyperlink right there, it shows you how, you know, it hyperlinks over to, um, the iTunes page to leave a review, but at the same time, it also shows you instructions, which is really interesting. I've never seen that before, and I think it really works. The third most important call to action are your services and products. If you're a business or in business, then telling people about how to hire you or your products is a (laughs) no-brainer. You must. (laughs) <laughs> Again, it can be super easy. You can create an outro, uh, you know, the little bit, little bit of music that some podcasts have at the end of an episode, and you can hire somebody, you know, a voiceover artist. You can give them a little bit of copy with some cute little music or something, and just have them read. Have them read what's going on. If you'd like to, like, let's say, okay, so Ashley, I'm going to use you. So music starts. If you'd like to work with Ashley, go on over to Green Light hh.com slash services and get the conversation started. That's it. So it doesn't have to be too much like that, or you can do it yourself as if you're finishing up or, or, you know, the outro music starts to begin something like this. Thanks so much for your time. And if you want some killer podcasting strategy advice and are really looking for some one-on-one highly personalized mentorship, I've got a sweet jam-packed strategy podcasting session just for you. It's an insane deal and a must-have for any podcaster looking to grow their podcast. Get all the juicy details over at lcescobar.com slash work with me. Or you can just email me at lc at yogeek.me. See how I did that? <laughs> You'll totally get better every time. You, I promise you, just give it a go. And now we have a question from the rockin' Katie Kremitzos from Biz Women Rock. So she says, my question is how iTunes determines the popularity of a show. They have their little meter to the right of each show, but I don't really see a pattern for how it gets measured. Okay, so here we go. Rob and I have been, Rob, that is my co-host and uh, vice president of podcaster relations for Libsyn, have been working our booty off to get answers to that question. Well, actually he has, because he's the one that corresponds with Apple directly. And there have been many emails sent to Apple asking and wanting uh, us to get the scoop because we have had this question as well uh, for the feed. And it's now been about a month or so since we've been you know, trying to get that answer. And at last, no answer as of yet. Boo-hoo. So as soon as we get a response, everybody, I promise I will share it uh, and let you guys know because it seems to be kind of like a some kind of mysterious thing that happens all over the place. And I get you. I get you about that. And another request from Katie. Practical tips to get mega names as guests on your show besides stalking them. Okay. So... <laughs> 
I'm not sure what a mega name is, like a mega name in your industry or like a mega name like in the world, like J-Lo. Okay, so let's actually pretend it's J-Lo. The girl is on promotion, hyperdrive right now with her you know, newly released movie, The Boy Next Door. She's she's uh, she, she's in the newest season of American Idol, which has started, right? Mind you, I know all this stuff because I follow her on Instagram and she is my guilty pleasure. Okay, so here are the <laughs> practical tips. This is what I say, like right from the get-go, study, 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 and investigate like a detective, not like a stalker. So you get curious about all things J-Lo uh, from just, you know, JLo's uh, Instagram feed. I know that she loves her friends, in particular her bestie, Leah Romini. Leah has a reality show with her hubby, Angelo Pagan. JLo recently launched a new website called Body Lab, where she sells health and fitness formulas. Who knew, right? She released a new book this year called True Love. She listens to her fans and often has Instagram challenges featuring them. And she is, uh, is teaching, she really is teaching people how to engage with her and, and what she loves in her feed, in her Instagram feed, which is primarily what I check out a lot. It seems to me, so from all of, from all of the social media entities that JLo is in, Instagram is the most personal, um, and the other ones are cultivated as well, but this is the one that she shows up, that she herself, the personality, the, the, I could just see her like, you know, at her pool, like Instagramming, like it just seems like it's really normal. So from all of those things above, there are some ideas for getting closer to JLo just from that, especially if you're like totally into her. So Katie, I know I would love to hear from JLo and her many, many business ventures because it's insane the kind of knowledge that woman might have or even the support that she might have to get all these things launched. I mean, give me a break, a book, a whole deal of like supplements and I had no idea and like a host, so many things. So I know your work and I know your interview with her would be like super, super cool. So here are some ideas out of my top of my head. If I really, really wanted it, I'd make a JLo podcast. Limited, of course. Like, 10 episodes or so, highlighting and discussing all things JLo, but with a business edge. Like I would dive into her businesses. I would, you know, analyze what's going on. I would make sure that I really research all these uh, as much as I, as I can't possibly can from the business perspective from her and obviously putting her in a really good light to see all of the stuff and constantly asking from the community to give their opinions and possibly even asking the community to touch base with JLo because you never know, right? I make sure that her people knew about it sending something to her representatives and making sure that I, that I made super fun multimedia promotions for it and let Team JLo know by tagging and sharing her stuff. So remote promoting the podcast using um, a small Vine video or maybe even a video for Instagram as well. Isn't that a lot of work? It's a lot of work, right? It would be a lot of work, but I think it would pay off. I'd also follow all her peeps that she tags on Instagram photos from hair and makeup to dancers to her, you know, BFFs to the company that makes her dance shoes. I'd do my best to find out what her production launch schedule is, what movies are coming out, what major music releases, what shows she might be producing, etc. I'd follow her on social media, of course, but really connect with her via the one medium in which she seems to be the most 
herself, like I talked to you about, Instagram seems to be the one that is the most herself. Um, so less marketing, more personality. I'd make sure that I attend as many live events where she's going to be present. Like, so I'm not going to be like following her around for the entire con, you know, her concert taking over the world, but there might be some specific events where the possibility of bumping into her <laughs> at a smaller scale, cause I know that's happening even if it's about finding out where she's shooting a video or maybe she's attending a school assembly in the Bronx or something, she's doing some kind of charity, something or other, that happens. It's about doing your homework. Then I'd start to build you know, the relationship little by little, comment by comment, adding value to her brand as much as as, as you can, you know, as I can, because <laughs> right. truly engaging, you know, with all her stuff. And like anything else, it would take a lot of hustle, persistence and organization. Cause you're going to have to see the whole thing, uh, as it uh, reveals itself to you in terms of what her team is doing, what she's doing and what she likes. And finally, you know, the simple ask, we often forget how about every time she's doing a promotional tour, you reach out to her PR team and ask her to be on your show. Every time she has something, every time that's coming out, every time she has a new business venture, reach out to her team, find somebody else to touch base with and why this would benefit her or even the team as a whole. So find different ways to get these words out until she says, yes, (laughs) and I follow that with, is this mega name guest because, or you're reaching for this game is, I'm sorry, let me say that again. Is the mega name guest search because having a big name will get you more listeners? Is the big name of essential value for your community and it will benefit it so much that it will make the hustle so worth it? If this, you know, if these questions that you just heard are more skewed to the first one, which is more about getting more listeners, a little bit more ego driven, then the entirety of your brand as a whole would suffer because of the pursuit. You know, this pursuit would be an energy leak. But if it's more skewed towards number two, like the second thing that I mentioned, and no matter what happens, your brand will get stronger because the intention behind this pursuit would make it so much more solid and strong. Yeah? (sighs) Okay, good luck, everybody, on getting J-Lo on your show. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) All right. I hope you can substitute J-Lo for your A-lister of choice or your mega star of toast. So try those tactics and see if you can, if that works. I'd love to hear from you. Send us some feedback. Uh, I know that for myself, the only reason I say no to being on other people's podcasts uh, are time constraints. In, in all honesty, that's basically it. It's, the, it's really, is this the best use of my time? Not because I feel that the that being a guest is below me or, or anything like that. It really is. Um, it's just because it's so hard for me to give up my time. It's like, it's huge. So if you can zero in on the key objections that a mega name has for coming on your show, like the key objections and offer quick and easy solutions, that would be a huge 
when. And I know Erica Lermark in the last episode talked about that, having sales conversations and being able to see what rises up. Like what are they like, but I don't know if, right. Or, uh, I don't know if I have this, or it, it might be whatever all that is. If you really do your homework and if you can, and you can really look those in the eye and have those set up, like the responses that you need, you'll be set. At least it'll up-level your conversation, right? And they'll remember you. Next question. Diane, she says, um, and she is from Park Talk Pod. I believe I have to, I should have written this down over here. Sorry, Diane. Okay. So she says, I'm brand new to podcasting. I was wondering if you had any good advice on for newbies and how to get my podcast discovered by more listeners. And it is new park talk. It's park talk podcast, park talk podcast. I'm just saying it over and over again, just so that I make sure that you're you say it right. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So she says again, sorry, I was wondering if you had any good advice on for newbies on how to get my podcast discovered by more listeners. It's a Disney podcast that I do with my hubby. We talk about tips, reviews, events, and upcoming news, obviously about Disney and the park. Okay. Number one, iteration is king. Audience builds with momentum. And the more you do it, the more listeners you get. Right? We hope. As of now, you have seven episodes as of the recording of this episode. From experience of launching more than one podcast, I can tell you that without you doing it consistently for a substantial period of time, you won't discover your true audience. So um, I would venture to say consistently get something out for at least three to six months, right? Mostly like six months. Continue to produce and promote as you would normally. There is a pretty amazing wisdom about your podcast, your audience, and what you need to do once you produce consistently. There's a, there are a lot of questions that will just simply go away from you doing it over and over again. You'll also know what works. You'll also know what you need help with in a better position than if you just start. So it's it, it takes a little bit to start to build the rhythm to be able to see where people are in this. Number two, the Disney podcasting community is very strong. There are so many different types of Disney podcasts out there. Some of them with some massively engaged audiences. Some of the biggest influencers in the podcasting space come directly from the Disney podcasting space. I'm thinking specifically of Lou Mongello and his, I'm going to have to say it again, and his WDW radio and also Window to the Magic I know that there are more of you guys out there, but those are the ones that come into mind because they have a pretty decent following as well, have been doing this for a long time consistently. I assume that you know these guys or at least have heard of some of these guys. I would study what they do, how they build community, what sorts of outreach they do for their community. It's not about copying. It's about being inspired and starting to recognize what works for you and your audience. Also, reach out to them, especially the ones that have been doing this for a long time, and ask them questions about their journey, especially the challenges that they went through. 
Lou is super accessible via social media. He has a wealth of information to share and wants to share it. You could perhaps have some other, you know, Disney podcasters on your show, give them a platform, ask your questions, and also serve your community in the process, right? Um, (laughs) I was recently gifted a cake pop. It came in the mail with a handwritten note from the Once Upon a Time fan podcast. Uh, and it was, it had a little handwritten note basically saying, thank you so much for the work that Rob and I do for the feed and that they really enjoyed the show. No, it's not a Disney podcast and I'm not a once upon a time fan podcast, uh, or fan fan period, but I can tell you that, that, that gift got them tons of, of love from me. Look, I'm talking to them again. I talked about them on the podcast. I gave out their URL. I posted on Instagram about them. I tagged the cake maker person that made the cake pop that was super, super yummy. And now I'm super aware of them. And if anyone wants a Once Upon a Time podcast, I will send them over to their Once Upon a Time fan podcast. These names are so hard to say. So I'll send them over. Am I their dream listener? Not really, because I'm not a fan of you know, the show on TV, but I do know that there are lots of people out there and, and just with the mention that they got on the feed, I'm sure that the awareness of their podcast grew. And even if it's just a little bit, and if I'm ever interested in the show itself at some point once upon a time, then I will definitely go and check out the conversations that they're having. They've had a lot of the actors on their show. Um, they've got a lot of people calling on the show. Oh, speaking of that, isn't that the coolest thing? So Katie, that's another thing that you can do too. I mean, start to research some of these fan podcasts as well, because they've got a lot of, I mean, I know, and I don't know what your mega star is. It might not have anything to do with being a movie star, a Hollywood star, but they have a lot of people come call in on the show. A lot of like the producers and the writers and a lot of the, um, actors call in and leave messages for them and, uh, feedback, which is really, really great. So, Going back to the question, think of where your audience or potential audience might be and court them out, you know, using outside of the box tactics, sending cake pops always works as well as chocolate. All right. So moving on to the next, uh, uh, question. This is from the mighty Heather Rampola and she is from fresheatsradio.com. This is a fun one, Ms. Heather. How far in advance do you do you come up with ideas for the show? Is it spontaneous slash wing it each week because of the deadline, or do you actually plan out into the future with show ideas? Well, you know what? Holy cow. Uh, Jess and I did start uh, having a spreadsheet. In fact, I think our spreadsheet is still there. But uh, sadly, um, yeah, not, we're, yeah, we're not looking at it. <laughs> So, um, right now we're flying by the seat of our pants, but that's because, uh, Jess has been kind of, uh, with the baby. She's been with the baby. I've been juggling all this stuff kind of by myself and it really is easier to do it with two people. And uh, yeah, so in a perfect world, I would love to kind of follow at least a little bit of, um, something, right. To make it a little bit easier. I tend to be inspired weekly. Uh, in fact, the idea for the show kind of came two days before we were ready to do it and we couldn't record. And it was like, Oh, I'll just do this. Right. And it kind of showed itself to me. A lot of the guests that I've invited to, it's not like I pre thought like, Oh, I'm going to have Ann Samoylabon. I really, 
for that she was on uh, episode 30, what was it, 32? And I just kind of emailed her and I was like, dude, you want to come on? Because I knew, I just knew that I wanted her on the show. Like it just, it was one of those things. I didn't research who I wanted to be on the show. That's just who came to mind. And I just kind of follow instincts. Maybe in the future, I'll do a little bit better. Both of us will do a little bit better. Uh, as long as the content I feel is not uh, what Dave Jackson has newly coined, uh, casturbation, which is you just get behind the mic and you just start talking because, well, that's what you do, but you have nothing to offer. Well, then, um, as long as it's not that, oh gosh. All right. So let's Speaking of castrobation, let's break it just a little bit here and add a question that came to me via MP3 from the mighty Carrie. Hey, Elsie. It's Carrie Eric here from the Digi Scrap Geek podcast. I've decided to switch my podcast hosts from Amazon S3 to Libsyn, the App 400 plan. And I chose the App 400 plan simply because it works for the length and frequency of my show better than any other plan. I'm curious, what value does an app have to podcasters and what value does it have to podcast listeners? If I choose to create an app for my show, what should I know before I get started? Thanks, Elsie, for listening to my questions. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say on the topic. And in response to that, here's my friend, Dani Pena from Gamer Tag Radio answering that question. Not necessarily for you because I played it over on um, the feed, but uh, he does touch on a lot of really great stuff. You know, I follow a lot of these um, well-known podcasters that gives, um, you know, tips and everything like, you know, for all this podcast. And I love their shows and everything. And I've been noticing that a lot of them have been asking this question, you know, to other podcasters. Hey, is it worth, you know, having a um, an individual app uh, for your show? A lot of people are saying, no, it's not worth it and all this stuff. And uh, I, the thing is with me, um, I think it is worth it. And I've been saying this now for a couple of years. You know, I know Rob, every time he has like an interview, he'll, he will always mention like, you know, successful podcasts out there that, that has also an individual app like Mark Marin, the WTVF, um, they have an app. Uh, well, I mean, actually, he has an app. And also um, Grammar Girl and a couple other people have their own individual app, um, you know. But he doesn't really mention a lot of those, like, smaller shows like us that also have an app. And, uh, and I think it's worth it, you know. There's many reasons why we did it. Um, you know, at first we did it because we wanted to, you know, sell the app and, and whatever we sell, we, with that money, it will help us, you know, for, for like for trips and, uh, pay the holes and all that stuff, you know? So, um, and then the years later we decided to have it for free, which anybody could just download it on any phone, um, on any tablet. It's easier for them to just find, find us instead of waiting for iTunes to update and all that good stuff. And only that we also have bonus content we have exclusive shows that's only available on the app they're not going to find it nowhere else and they can't find it on stitcher on itunes and the reason why we do that is because that is for us is for our loyal listeners is this not something that we're going to get millions and millions of you know downloads and this is for those our dedicated fans that they want more than just what we post weekly you know um so it's been going really, really well. I think this is like was like one of the smartest moves that we made. 
um, when we launched our app, this was the same time that uh, Lipson just basically launched um, a couple apps at the same time. And we were like the first video game show that's hosted on Lipson that was part of that launch. Uh, it was very smart. We've been promoting it hardcore every single year. And when we go to like special events like E3, it's a video game convention for those that don't know. We go there every year. That's like our biggest uh, week for us because we get crazy amount of downloads because we post a lot of the content from the convention center in LA and we also post special videos or like exclusive interviews or behind the scenes while we're going to like you know other events during during E3 we post on the app and a lot of the listeners they they download it they listen to it they interact with us they they follow us on Twitter you know and cool thing what we did too is one of my friends she launched a a uh, uh, novel, an uh, ebook. Uh, I think now for like the past three years, and every time she's about to promote her book, she goes up to us and would give like a free chapter for um, for those that are, are fans of hers. We have her like you know talking about the book, but at the same time they could download it through the app and they could just read it through the phone or their tablet. You know something unique. You know, the the issue that I have with a lot of these podcasters that are saying, no, that it's not worth it, is the, you know, you're not promoting your brand. You got to think outside of the box and just depending on iTunes and Stitcher because you're basically promoting them. You're not promoting yourself. Besides, subscribe to, subscribe to my show on iTunes and Stitcher. Like, you got to think out of the box. You know, just a couple of days ago, I was in Tampa. I had a, a family reunion and uh, a couple of my my cousins they're like hardcore video gamers like they play all the time they don't they don't listen to podcasts you know and we were talking and she was like what is a podcast what is that and i had to explain to her what it is and she's like man that's kind of confusing but i'm like look to make it easier for you just go online to the app store and download our app it's totally free and she's like really wow that's that's cool the reason is is because those are the people that you got to get forget about Getting advice from other podcasters, you know, that's cool that they give your advice. But that's a very small percentage of people that actually sit down and listen and, and you know, make some moves like what you're trying to do, you know. But you got to think the bigger picture. Those out there that doesn't know about podcasts, but I bet you that they know what an app is. Those are the people you got to try to get. And that's what we're trying to do. Discovery. It's a lot easier to go online on the App Store and just search for something and your app will pop up automatically, you know. Uh, we've been getting a, a, a lot of new listeners that discovered us through Android, through um, the App Store and iOS, you know, and iTunes, you know. And that's what I want. You know, we want to be everywhere as much easier as possible. We want to be there everywhere, Stitcher, iTunes, but at the same time, why not get more instead of depending on those other uh, other places, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's worth it. You know, right now we're uh, – I think we're over 3,000 downloads now of our app. That's fine. And, it's con- and, and, and let me tell you, we get the stats every month and it's growing. And that's what I want. I want to think outside of the box and do something different. And, uh, and I hope it works out for you guys. So try your best. Look. You know, it doesn't have to be Lipson, but if you want to make it easier for you, if you guys are hosting on Lipson, do it through Lipson. 
get your app, try it out. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But see, there's been ups and downs with us, but at the end of the day, it's been successful for us. So why, if it's successful for us, why not? Why you can't you do the same? So basically, Carrie, it really is another channel to get your stuff out. As of now, more people have downloaded an app than have downloaded downloaded a podcast. I'm not talking about statistics, but I'm sure that if you talk to somebody that owns an iPhone or an Android device, um, just a, a, a regular person on the street, they will more likely be familiar with downloading apps than downloading podcasts. It's a little bit easier for them to understand. Moving on, uh, Jenny Powers asks, if there is a template invitation to recruit guests that you can share. Okay. I don't have an interview show, so I have no template. I will reach out to the community for this one. If you do have a template that you would like to share, please feel free to share it with us over on the She Podcasts community in Facebook, on Facebook, which is at shepodcast.com slash group. Or you can email uh, feedback at shepodcast.com with details, or you can even just send in a voice feedback, uh, letting you, letting you, letting us know your approach to uh, a template to invite your guests, and we will play it in one of our upcoming episodes. Michelle Calloway asks, what are some of the best practices for leveraging and maximizing a niche market? I always like to approach this from a deep love perspective. So podcasting arises out of a need for connection and community first, and that's in my opinion, which often, you know, makes it grow into all kinds of awesome benefits for you as a podcaster. So that's like the first thing. It's really a need for connection. Uh, and community, and self-expression, really. It's from that perspective that I'll address this question, and I'll use homesteading as an example. A quick definition of homesteading from Mother Earth News. It's all about self-sufficiency wherever you live. It's about using less energy, eating wholesome local food, involving your family in the life of the community, and making wiser choices that will improve the quality of your life for uh, your family, community, and the environment. With today's advanced technology, living off the grid doesn't mean going without electricity, but producing really our own PV, hydropower, wind tubes, turbines. In addition, home home businesses are no longer limited to farm-produced stands and craft sales, but can include marketing a home business or telecommuting via the internet. So... Okay. Our family are homesteaders. We're working towards all of the above that I just mentioned. And part of the values that arise around homesteading are community, as well as learning to do things that we have not done before. We compost our all of our food and recycle as much as we can because we have no trash service. We need to figure out ways to dispose of our own trash. Of course, we're not dumping, but this is an extra step. So we really have to be clear about how to minimize waste in the most optimal way every day. Uh, we will be growing our, a lot of our own food here upcoming in the spring, at least trying. And, and you know, we find we find and chop a lot of our own wood with our wood burn and put it in our wood burning stove. And that's what heats up our house. We don't have any central heating. Well, daddy of the house, the daddy, the daddy, he chops the wood. (laughs) So from that, you can see that there are a lot of problems that we might be looking to solve that the average city dweller might not have, especially since we're relatively newbie to this lifestyle. So I'd be super interested in hearing about seasonal tips for winter and spring 
how to keep our home warm as you know as as warm as possible during using the least amount of wood how to start preparing for planting our garden in the spring what are the essential things to think about what books or online resources you uh, you know you can recommend about energy efficiency and or planning in general because i don't have time to do all the research uh, obviously i'm producing all of these other things that i do know about that make my living and i have no time to be sitting down and do this so information is your number one commodity with niche audiences education number two and you can switch them depending on what community that is you can either set yourself up as an expert you know like let's say you've been homesteading for i don't know decades and and you had you know no idea what you were doing when you started and now you're ready to share your wisdom with the world you can learn as you go and in turn you know it'll also start to rise your clout and become more adept uh, at your field this is what cliff ravenscraft did with the podcast answer man he just started podcasting about podcasting as he was diving into the medium sharing his experiences and as he continued he became one of the strongest voices in the space Another thing that you can do is you can simply curate content. You do the research. You share the best information that you can find. That for me, like that's my niche. That's what I love to do. I love to curate information for people. Um, and and it's actually one of the, the best ways that you can be of service because like I said, I'm also always looking for the answers to things, especially stuff that I have no time to really dive into and doing research on how to do these things. I wish, I wish there was a podcast that would talk about homesteading for beginners, you know, the things to even think about, uh, and even a community to ask questions in. So all of these can serve to cultivate a thriving audience that's looking to solve problems and find other people that are doing the same thing as they are. Given that, if you truly love the subject of your niche, in this case, homesteading, then imagine how many awesome ways you could add value to those looking for solutions, aka leveraging and maximizing, right? So books, you can share books, you can write a book, tutorials, master intensives for people to come and see you, uh, products, services. It depends on where these people are and how much they're willing to spend. Mind you, homesteaders are not necessarily, they're sometimes really um, looking for solutions that are like right now. So of the moment stuff happens with, with homesteaders. Generally speaking, there's not that much traveling going on um, for education. So keeping that in mind, but there are other kind of niche markets that do a lot more traveling. And don't forget, simply having a community. They will let you know what they need. Your community will do it. Sometimes without you even asking, you will you will start to get requests from them asking you exactly for what they want. All of this comes with time, which equals consistent production for a minimum of three months to six months in my book. Yeah, and it, that is if you have a weekly podcast. Erica asks, how do you go about getting press for your podcast? Is that something you suggest? Getting yourself media coverage is awesome and I love it and that's fantastic. And if you can do it, get more power to you. So I'll give you two resources on this because I'm no expert. One is Melissa Casera. She has a great course called Making Headlines. It'll give you a ton of ideas. She's been around the block a few times, and she is very, very good. And you can find her at melissacasera.com slash work 
slash with slash Melissa. Is that how you say it? I don't even know that little line. But anyway, links in the show notes for gosh's sake. The other is a podcast interview I heard uh, via the Go For It show. And the interview was with Jen Lee, Coach Jen Lee. And the headline for that specific episode was Proven Strategies to Get Great Media Exposure. All right. So in that is, you can find it over at goforitshow.com slash 55. And from listening to that, I totally dug Jen Lee. She gave lots of great advice and you can find her over at coachjenlee.com. And our last question from Alexa Meisler. I'd like to know, she says, about your tips to get into new and noteworthy for new podcasts. And she is over at Break Into Travel Writing, or her podcast is Break Into Travel Writing. The best way to get into new and noteworthy is if you have an existing list, an email list, or an existing fan base, whether personal or professional. When you first arrive in the apps in the iTunes store, do your best to send an email to your list and ask them to rate and or review your podcast and subscribe or download your content. Any or all of the above can help to get momentum into the iTunes algorithm to get you ranked. This is where you ask for favors from people that you've never asked for favors from. (laughs) Like, you know, about this kind of stuff anyway, like mom and dad, grandparents, cousins, anyone and everyone that you know that thinks you're awesome to do the above. Like this is where you go to like your Facebook friends and you tell them, can you do this for me? You can even message people that you haven't heard of and just say like, hey, can you do this for me, please? Ask all the communities that you belong to, to do this for you. Uh, Yes. Even if you do you know, a hardcore begging campaign for only one day where you get as many people to download, rate, review, subscribe, that'll do it. You will get into new and noteworthy. If I would say like, you know, even if it's 25 to 50 people, it'll happen. Maybe not the main page, maybe only for your category, Maybe it's going to be one of the last ones towards the end, you know, when you have to scroll over to the site to get it, but you'll do it. You'll, you'll make it. If you don't have any kind of email list and you happen to be a lone ranger that's not really on social media and isn't very social in real life, then it would be hard. (laughs) In my experience, the single thing that can get you into new and noteworthy is an email list. The larger the list and the more responsive your list, the better you'll move up into the rankings because they'll do what you're asking them to do. So if your audience happens to not be too podcast savvy as, you know, as in they don't listen to podcasts, then it's your job to provide instructional materials showing them how to do all of it. Rate, review, subscribe and download. You are responsible for this. And the more responsibility you take, the better results you'll get for this. Um, And just a note, new and noteworthy does not make or break your podcast. It's definitely nice. It looks pretty, but in the long run, it's a very small part of your podcast success, like super tiny, small, especially if you have a little bit more of an eat a niche audience to that. It's kind of like focusing all of your energy on your wedding reception 
and forgetting about the actual marriage. If, you know, for some reason something goes wrong with the reception or, or you have to cancel it or, or no one shows up, that has no bearing on the quality of your relationship that you have with your spouse or how incredible you guys are. <laughs> okay. Um, that was it. That's me on my high horse. Uh, and that wraps up the solo episode. Holy cow. This was like long. I guess next time I should just say like, you know, five questions and that's it. Is this five? Oh my God. It's long. So, uh, to those of you whose question I did not answer, I'll touch base with you individually. And then next week, uh, Jess is back. The mighty Jess is back. Yay. So uh, please feel free to join the She Podcast community over on Facebook, which you can find at shepodcast.com slash group. If you have any feedback to share with us, go ahead and email us at feedback at shepodcast.com. And how about a rating for the podcast? We haven't asked in a long time. A rating. That's all I'm asking for. All y'all have to do is get into iTunes and just tap on those little stars. Give us some stars. The more stars, the better would be really lovely since we haven't asked for a long time. Uh, and you guys know what to do. Anyway, talk with you guys in a couple, uh, in a week. Woo! And uh, thank you so much. Bye-bye.